Good morning, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America. I almost forgot what I was there for a second because I've had such bad luck with communications this morning. But uh, anyways, um, this is our weekly podcast, Off Track. I do this every week, obviously, with uh, Sean Weiss, who's my counterpart in Ohio. Sean helps uh, in all aspects of Moto, uh, Moto America social media and communications and website stories and all sorts of stuff. So he's uh, he's my go-to guy, and uh, and he's that guy on my podcast as well. So today we have our guest is Corey Alexander. Uh, Corey uh, raced in the Stock 1000 class last year. He rides in HBMC Racing Kawasaki. Um, that's his family dealership that's been around. He can talk to us in a minute about that, but I, as far as I know, it's been around forever. Um, he works with his uncle, Richie Alexander, who I've known for a long time. Um, Richie actually raced for Chaparral Racing, um, was a 750 Supersport champion, and he actually worked there, uh, raced for them when my father worked for them as crew chief. So we go back quite a ways um, as far as the family ties go. And uh, this year, Corey's going to be racing in the <clears throat> Moto America Stock 1000 Championship, and he's also going to do the Superbike Championship. Um, taking advantage of the opportunity to be able to do that. So that's going to be a cool thing for him. Last year, he didn't do all the races, but the ones he did, he certainly made count. He had three podiums, including a second-place finish at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Um, when he did show up, obviously, he was a factor. He didn't win a race, but he was very close and looked like he could. Uh, I have a feeling if the season kept going a little bit longer, we would have seen him at the top. But anyway, Corey, um, oh, <laughs> Real quick, Corey's sort of taking social distancing to the extreme because he's been at Chuckwalla uh, Valley Raceway, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically you go to the middle of nowhere and make a left. Um, and he's been there for I don't know how long, but we'll talk to him in a second about that. But uh, Corey, welcome to welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just enjoying some sunshine down here in the desert. Uh, I'm good. How about you guys, though? Yeah, we're good. I mean, all things considered, um, it's obviously difficult times for everybody. And, you know, it's it's a little difficult for us right now because the, the schedule's kind of up in the air and it doesn't, uh, you know, we don't know when the end is when the end is coming and we just have to keep rescheduling things as we go forward. And we're pretty determined to have a 10-round series. Um, but yeah, I mean, all things considered, everybody has their health, which is the main thing. What, what uh, how long have you been out at Chuck Walla? Um, so I left New York March 1st and I did a, did a cross country trip to get out here. Um, and the plan was to, to get out here and then do some testing and, and, uh, some, some point across, across the country, we started to really see that, uh, you know, things weren't looking so good. And then by the time we got out here, everything, everything was pretty much shut down at that point. And so really you know the only option was either go home to new york which is at the time really the, the beginning of the worst part of this whole thing um where, where exactly i'm from and uh so we decided it was just better just to stay and uh and wait it out so is there anybody out there or are you just pretty isolated um yeah i mean it's it's been pretty isolated really for the most part. I mean, the track shut down to the public. So fortunately, um, you know, we're 
pretty close with, with Mickey who, who really runs the track and, and owns the track. Um, and so they're, they're letting us hang out and, you know, there, there's been some in and out, a couple of people here and there and, and a couple of like smaller, uh, private events that I think, you know, they, they've, they've done, but, um, otherwise, yeah, it's been pretty much shut down for the most part, just like everything else in, the, in, in the country, I guess, if you will, you know? So have you been, do you get to ride motorcycles when you're out there or are you really just shut down? Um, it's, I, yeah, they've had, I've gotten to ride like twice out here. I mean, I kind of have mixed opinions on it because, you know, obviously the healthcare system at the moment is pretty uh, you know, overwhelmed. And so you know, anything you can do to really try to help minimize that, which obviously riding a motorcycle is, is not a not necessarily a necessity right now. Um, so kind of. Have, have to look at it from that perspective is like, okay, what am I, you know, what am I really doing or what am I accomplishing and what am I risking? So, um, with that in mind, I, I am still riding a little bit of dirt bikes and, and that kind of stuff, but also at the same time, just want to be conscious of, of, you know, doing my part, I guess, if you will, you know. Corey, regarding, uh, regarding the dealership back home in New York, you know, being that it's a, it's a motorcycle dealership, but is it considered like, I know around here, uh, a lot of car dealerships are open. You can go get your oil change or whatever. It's considered an essential service. Is the motorcycle dealership uh, back home in, in, is it open and is it considered essential? Yeah. So that was, you know, initially, obviously it was pretty worrisome. I mean, you know, the way it works for us back home, more or less, we're closed, not closed, but we're very slow during the winter. And then we, we kind of have a majority of our business from now through the end of the summer. And so, you know, we're starting to look, we're starting to look for our busy season at the same time this whole thing really popped up. And then you kind of wonder, okay, like, are we considered essential? So on and so forth. Um, but ultimately, the, the New York passed, uh, the government passed kind of a, an amendment that allows auto repair to be considered essential, which you know, because we do uh, registration and, and uh, inspections and things like that, we're considered, we have to be registered auto repair. So we kind of fall underneath that category because, you know, theoretically people, the primary mode of transportation would be a motorcycle potentially. Uh, yeah, we're still open for service. Um, the sales and, and parts are, are closed to the public in the sense of, you know, can't have people walking in the store, but um, it's pretty crazy how much of our business nowadays is online anyway. So it, really the biggest the biggest hurdle is um on people they can't come in and actually like see the bike that they want to buy or or come in and, and try on a helmet or something like that you know so that part's definitely tough and had to kind of make some adjustments um obviously i'm not there so I'm, I'm you know just kind of working remotely and trying to help as much as i can from california and, and what do you do any do you do all kinds of things at the dealership and when what do you primarily do that while you're there uh you know, I know it's your family dealership, so it probably is that you get involved in a lot of different things. What what is, what is your primary responsibility there? Um, yes, I mean, I really do a little bit of everything. Uh, minus working on the bikes. Um, that that part I stay away from. I don't think anybody wants me working on their bikes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, this you know, the, kind of when I wasn't racing, I kind of took a hiatus from racing for a little while. And, and throughout that time, I mean, I did a bunch of different stuff ranging from, you know, I was a pickup and delivery driver for a while. And then uh, I was working out the parts department and then I kind of got shuffled over and I wanted to be more involved in the sales process. Um, and our sales, salesman 
I had, had left at the time. And so I kind of filled in his role for a summer. That was kind of last year. I did that in between you know, racing and so on. So I kind of do it all. Um, primarily my company is marketing. I mean, nobody else there does the marketing stuff except for me. Um, and so, you know, email newsletters and social media and updating the website and, and um, just kind of come up with new ways to, to sell stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I've done it all. So let's talk a little bit about the, the coming season. Um, we, we know a little bit about your program, but probably not everything. But um, from, what you, from what you've sent us in the press releases, et cetera, it's, it's, uh, it's you and, 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 and Richie and a Kawasaki ZX-10. And we're going to do Stock 1000 and Superbike. So is, is that, I mean, that, that's a pretty big challenge you've got set for yourself. Yeah, I mean, going into uh, going into the off season, you know, I obviously came back last year, and I really didn't have any anticipation other than you know I really wanted to be in the top five, and I felt I could be in the top five, but I obviously didn't know if that would be true or not, not having ridden really or raced in, in almost two years, um, other than some flat track. But you know, came back and I actually I felt really better than I ever had on a bike, and I had back surgery in the meantime and some other things, and I kind of. Um, physically and mentally had, had kind of matured, I think, a little bit. So that helped. But, yeah, I mean, um, going into the off season, we kind of just more or less said we wanted to do it the right way and, and really make an effort if we were going to do it. We didn't want to kind of tiptoe and do it and, and, and gallivant. So um, put together some, some funding and got some help from from some people like a kind of motorbikes and, and uh, new cycles and, and kind of it snowballed and they're getting more and more support and, and and a few different people kind of rallying around us to make it happen. Um, as well as, as some other people that I haven't, you know, we were planning to do more announcements and then the whole thing kind of came up and it was just, you know, right now it doesn't really seem like the best time to be, to be doing stuff like that and, and putting out uh, press releases and so on. So we're kind of on hold for some of that other stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, um, we'll see where we end up on the other side of this whole thing uh, in terms of that stuff. But, but yeah, you know, I think it'll be a, a big task, but I don't, I don't think it's, you know, it's not something we were, were unprepared for, you know? Being away for so long, did you surprise yourself with those results when you came back? Um, you know, I think any racer, you know, thinks that they can win, right? You always kind of have like, you have to have that mindset. Otherwise you really, there's no point in racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely surprised myself to be, to be there, um, right away. Like we were, I mean, road America, the first race was a little bit of an eye opener, just getting back up to the speeds again. I mean, I, I literally, when we showed up to road America, I'd never even ridden the ZX10 before, <laughs> uh, right. practice was my first time on the bike and, and, um, I think we were like top 10 right away and, and the ZX10 is just super easy to ride. So that, that helps for sure. Um, but coming off of. You know, my last time racing was on a Ducati and there's so many things and you kind of just don't really know. Was it the, was it the bike? Was it me? You know, what were the issues, you know, and so on. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I was definitely surprised. And, and obviously we lucked into the podium at Road America a little bit with some of the crashes and stuff on the last few laps. So I'm not going to say it was really all me either. And there was a pretty big gap to the front. But but going forward into to Pittsburgh to be battling with those guys and then and then Jersey, I felt like, was really kind of showing where our true potential was. You know, obviously, we still didn't even have a bike set up that I was really super happy with because it was only the third third time riding the bike when we showed up there. So, um, 
you know, now looking looking forward even more into it with having a lot more time on the bike and things like that. I'm definitely definitely excited. Corey, how how is it going to work this year with regard to you racing in stock one thousand and superbike? So is it as simple as you're going to have a stock one thousand bike and you're just going to race it in the superbike races, or is there anything you can do to to the bike to change it between stock one thousand and superbike? You know, I'm not real clear on on what you can do differently if you can. Um, can you explain that to us? Yeah. So you know how it works is. Um... It, it kind of gets promoted that we're we're riding in superbike, right? But um, there's, there's a super stock cup or superbike cup class that we're actually racing in. So it's kind of like a super stock Evo class, if you will. So basically, we're just taking our super stock bike and we're we're racing within the superbike class. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be the exact same bike. I think the rules actually say that we we have to run the same bike until we have. Um, if there's some kind of major issue or, or we had a big crash in the super stock race, then we could switch to a backup bike. But otherwise, it's actually have to be the, the physical bike from uh, the super stock 1000 class that we have to ride in the, in the super bike race. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And how does that bike feel for you? I know you were alluded to the fact that you had ridden a Ducati in our series uh, prior to this. and. You know, compare the two if you would. I know that your dealership sells both of the both bikes, and I think you guys are the oldest Kawasaki dealership in the nation, aren't you? Um, your dealership? Yeah, we're the oldest remaining, um, oldest remaining Kawasaki dealer in the U.S. My grandfather opened up in uh, 1966, and and over the years, you know, there's a few others that were a little bit older, but they, they've since gone out of business, and somehow we've we've survived it. And uh, so yeah, we're we're, we're oldest remaining but in terms of the bikes um the ducati was was a good bike obviously it's it's got a lot of cool pieces on it and a lot of technology and things like that um at the time you know the directions we went in terms of electronical setup and stuff like that were, were probably not the best route we could have gone um and that hurt us a lot and we we fought with a bunch of different issues and mechanicals and things like that and whether it was you know bad luck or or something of of you know riding a european bike whatever the case is it is uh it is what it was or is what it is um but yeah the kawasaki is definitely a lot more of a rider's bike it's a little bit easier to just hop on and it's kind of closer to what i'm used to i spent so many years riding in just across the hundred so I'm, I'm a little more accustomed to that kind of uh, motor configuration and, and characteristics i think are pretty similar between a Suzuki and kawasaki so it's kind of like home for me and as i got on it i just i loved it and we, we looked at riding a ducati this and going into the off season because for our dealership it really helps us sell stuff you know whatever we're on we typically can promote a little bit better and and people you know gets their attention so we wanted to be on a ducati um but just financially you know the investment you have to make and, and the parts and and there's no contingency and there's a lot of kind of downfalls to it as great of a bike as the v4 is now um we just you know i was really really happy with where we ended up in the zx10 and we want to kind of build on that platform tell me a little bit how you attack the coming weekends when when we do start racing again obviously i mean is it is it is it is it race for victory in stock 1000 and then beat the stock 1000 guys in the superbike race and see how many superbike guys you can beat. Is that kind of what you go into the weekend looking for? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, more or less, my goal for this year, I want to win the championship in Superstock 1000. Um, that's, that's my goal. And anything beyond that, whether in Superbike or you know, the Superbike Cup or whomever, um, is kind of just an added bonus and more track time and kind of see where we match up. You know, for me to ride in the Superbike class, I want to be around the guys that are faster than me because um, I'm going to get faster that way. You know? And so for me, it's, I'm using it as a learning, learning experience, a little bit to see where I stack up against those guys. And I think... You know, I, I definitely see us being, you know, sixth to 10th place pretty consistently. I think a superbike would be pretty fair if it rains. You know, who knows what will happen? Maybe we'll get a little higher up there. But, um, right. But yeah, that's, that's my, my focus is winning the, the championship in Superstock. And obviously, I mentioned contingency, you know, financially speaking, um, for me to, you know, make sense of doing this whole thing, I've got to make some money. And that's kind of where, the easiest way to make some money is obviously winning super stocks. So that's that's my that's my main focus point for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say regarding the purse, um, boy, for the number of races you did last year, uh, your your start to purse ratio was was pretty good. I'd say you you didn't did you make? I think you made money. Well, you made pretty decent money every race you competed in for us last year, right? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, Kawasaki makes it really, really easy, you know, to, to do that. Um, obviously, just the cost of racing in general is so expensive, but to have, you know, a manufacturer that, that at least rewards you if you do well um, helps a lot. And so, yeah, we did we did pretty well. That was really the only reason I was able to continue last year. I mean, um, if not for that, I don't think we would have been able to make it all around. Uh, you know, I was definitely kind of rolling, rolling my winnings into the next one and the next one, so definitely lucky in that regard and, and I don't have any crashes or anything like that so that obviously is super helpful looking back at last year um obviously New Jersey was the highlight for you um off the top of my head I'm trying to rem- I mean you battled for the lead the entire time you came up just short at the end right um I got an awful start there was a restart and I got a Terrible start. I don't know where I came back from, like 10th or something. But yeah, by the time um, I made it up to, to Andrew, who, was, who had a pretty good gap, you know, I think it was like one or two laps left. And, and I just didn't, didn't plan out far enough ahead to, uh, to make a move on him where I wanted to. So, um, but yeah, that was, it, it was close. I think if we had gotten the start, we should have gotten it. I think we could have, we could have won it. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. It was a tenth of a second, and you you ended up with the fastest lap of the race. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good. You know, Jersey's obviously a home track, so it was it was cool to uh, to put that all together. And it was, that was a you know rough time. I lost my puppy like the week before that, and, and uh, wasn't even really sure if I wanted to race. You know, going into that weekend, so just to be able to kind of get through that and, and get some good results, I was really happy. Corey, I've got a crazy question for you. Let me see if I can word this the right way. So you, Jay, you were mentioned about being at Chuck Walla, and obviously you work with Jason Pridmore's school. And Richie, your uncle and Jason were together on Michael Jordan Motorsports' team. Um, so can, are you able to actually dis- explain or tell us the first time you ever met 
um, Jason Pridmore, or did you did you know him before you could even walk and talk? Do you remember? You know, how did you? What's your origin with Jason yourself personally? <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember. I, I think I think he stayed. I don't know. He stayed at my grandparents' house probably when I was like. I don't know, had to have been like seven or eight or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, really before I could remember, I've known Jason. And then I started doing his schools. Uh, I took my first my first star school. I was on a KX85, actually, at Loudoun. <laughs> on a wow. Supermoto KX85. So I don't know what year that must have been. Probably 2006. 2006, 2007, something like that, because the Rookies Cup was 2008. So, yeah, it must have been 2006. That's cool. You've known him all all this time. That's really good. And now, and now you work at, work at a school with him. And are you are you considered one of his instructors at those schools? Yeah, I mean, we don't really do schools per se anymore. Um, what what we do, and he's kind of rebranded as you know JP forty three training is is uh, kind of his, his company, I guess if you will. And it's kind of a collective of you know Jason, Michael Gilbert, Caroline Olson, Andrew Lee. Um, you know. James school it, it kind of there's, a, there's a, always an influx of different people who are who are in and out and kind of around but it's it's more so one on one training so it's like you know if you, if you contact us and said hey you know um, we're looking to get better on the track I'm looking at racing or whatever the case is um, we kind of pair you accordingly with an instructor who you know, kind of fits fits what you're looking to get and then we work with you for the day so yeah, I've been doing that. You know, I worked at the car school as well years ago, but since then it's kind of transformed as industry's changed and, and what people want has changed. So the school thing has kind of gone away and it's gotten more of this kind of like higher and more more one-on-one experience that people really seem to enjoy. We've been doing that out here. Chuck Walla primarily is kind of where we're based, but um, we do go all around and that. I've actually kind of started to extend it into the Northeast and trying to do some more of that kind of stuff at home. And the plan was to do it actually nationwide this year, kind of following the Moto America schedule and some of the events that were going on, following all the races. You mentioned a little earlier in the conversation that you had back surgery. What was that? Just diffuse it so you didn't get over seven feet tall? <laughs> yeah, no, they actually they removed the fuse so I could shrink me down a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, when I that's really um, good. Around the Ducati, I, I had that whole year. I had two herniated discs um, in my back that were pretty bad, and I had got injections and did physical therapy and all these other things. And ultimately, you know, I was just in immense pain the entire season. And um, going in, going into that winter, you know, I, I found a really good doctor, and and more or less, he said, you you have two options. You can you can stop riding and hope that this kind of heals itself a little bit and you know you'll have quality of life or you're going to do back surgery and um, so i had a, a disectomy and a facetomy so they you know removed some of the bulging disc and then cleaned up you know the, the sets of kind of the pieces in between the vertebrae uh, so they cleaned that up and, and did that but yeah that was 20 the end of 2016 um wow that, that i got that surgery and yeah Corey, for a minute there, I actually thought you almost said, I thought you said vasectomy. <laughs> I did too. No. I did too. I'm like, oh. You said to me, I, I, yeah. Um, I haven't got that done yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, 
Might not be a bad guy. You got good racing genes. We want to have more. We want to have more Alexanders out there to race in our series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the last one. But I've got to. I've got to take care of that sooner or later. <laughs> uh, hey, you know. I want to ask you, so since this is Throwback Thursday, I want to talk about 2013 a little bit when you were, so for people that remember, maybe don't know, when during that era, Supersport was considered to be different than it is now. It was more of a, more of what our Superstock 600 series was a couple of years ago. It was more of an entry level and it was also broken into East and West and you were in the East, I believe, championship and I'll never forget this. The the last race of the season or last race weekend, we were at New Jersey and you, I believe you won that championship based on that win that you got in the last race. And I just remember it was so crazy watching you. You it was you were back and forth with Hayden Gillum. And it, it seemed like every time you went across start finish, you were you were in the lead and then he would somehow catch you maybe in the corners or something. But you would always end up. And I was thinking, oh, he's going to win this race because he, every time he goes across start finish, he he's ahead. So, can you talk about that weekend and how you won that championship like that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, my memory is, is not the best. I don't remember exact other than I, I know it came down to one point, and and I've, I've always been really good at the last the last turn in Jersey. So, um, that was that was a lot of the reason why I was able to actually. I think I won the championship based off of that, just just because I, I think it ultimately came down to me and Stefano. Um, I had to beat. I had to get. I don't remember what, what the numbers were, how it worked out, but I, I had to. I had to beat Stefano, and it came down to like the line or something like that, and I ended up ended up getting Hayden by one point for the championship. But um, it was one of those things where it was like you know you cross the finish line, and you're not even sure because you haven't been able to do the math quick enough to figure out if you if you won the championship or not. Um, it was it was super cool. The other thing I wanted to mention to you, Corey, is um, that uh, so this morning I had seen on Facebook that James Morris, our technical director, I, he's in Buffalo, and I got to find out what that's all about. Maybe Paul knows why, but of course, when I hear Buffalo, I think of Dunlop. But the photo that he posted, there's actually snow on the ground, and I know Carmel is north of the city a little bit. And it's certainly way over on the other side of the state, and it's not anywhere near the lake area where you get a lot of lake effect snow from, you know, coming off the, the lake. But it it looked pretty darn cold there with the snow. So you're going back home. It I assume there it's still not. Is it cold back home? Is it still there's no snow? Is there for you? Um, I think it snowed like three weeks ago. But yeah, it's probably it's probably warming up now. I think it's in the in the high 40s, low 50s or something like that, um, if not a little bit warmer. I honestly haven't looked at the weather because it's been 75 and sunny out here every day at the track. So, um, yeah, I'm not, sure what, I'm not sure what I'm going home to. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw it because, you know, I grew up north of Syracuse where probably there's still snow on the ground, and I know western New York's different than kind of New York City. That's just got its own climate a little bit compared to – the other part of the state, but I'm thinking here you and you're in Chuck Wall, and it's like you know I know you got to get home to do uh, to help out at the dealership, but maybe not so fast. Spring spring's yeah. taking a little while to get there, so yeah, no, I'm, I've you know I've been putting it off for a while. Just obviously, like I said, where where we're from is is one of the worst areas in the whole country um, or or whole world, I guess at the very moment. Um, for, yeah. 
for that. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, for the virus. I've definitely been putting it off for for obviously more than one reason. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's been tough. You know, I've been kind of having like an internal battle because my my family's there and they're kind of having to brave through it. Um, going to going to work still every day to keep the shop open and keep keep all of our employees you know working and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, I'm sitting out here in the desert and in my own little bubble with, you know, no idea that anything's going on in my world because I don't have to leave, uh, except for about once a week to go to groceries. So it's kind of been, it's been nice, but also, you know, uh, definitely kind of thinking of, thinking of everyone back home. So yeah, I think it's, it's about time to get back, unfortunately. It's so funny how, well, it's not funny, but it's, it's so odd how everything is right now. Like Sean just tells me that. James Morris is in Buffalo, and since we've all been working at home, um, in the office he's probably eight feet away from me, and I had no idea that right now he's in Bu- <laughs> that he's yeah. in Buffalo. So, um, and then you're two hours away in the desert, and it's pouring rain here, and well, you're in the desert and it's sunny. So, <laughs> and then I've got a guy in Ohio telling me that the guy nine feet away from me is in Buffalo. So it's just kind of shows how uh, how messed up stuff is, but. Uh, you know, uh, Corey, I want to I want to thank you for joining us today, um, and I wish you safe travels heading back to the family and the family business. Um, it's probably a good thing you're headed back there. They can probably use the help, and um, they probably know you're just slacking off in the desert, having a good time, and it's probably aggravating them. So it'll be good to get you back home. But uh, give give your give your family give your family my best, and uh, and we look forward to seeing you uh, as soon as we can get going here with some motorcycle racing and. Sean, same to you. Thanks for joining me. And Thanks, uh, yeah. it's been uh, it's been cool to have Corey on here. It's funny because I was just thinking the other day, it's like, who haven't we have on there? And then I'm like, I must have seen something on on uh, social media or something. I'm like, oh, we can have Corey. We hasn't had been on yet. So <laughs> thanks for joining us and just everybody stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys.